Today is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. We talk about this guy named Chris Skye in Toronto running for mayor, 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 <laughs> mayor in Toronto. Apparently he was arrested, and he's kind of a uber-conservative candidate, and uh, arrested for death threats, I think. Um, I'm always curious, like the last three years in a row, we've had stuff come out of Canada that just gives these wide terms like death threats, violence, assault. And I'm like, well, what do they actually do? And you can never find out. So we have no idea what this guy said. Um, if it was actually a death threat or if he was just giving some good advice that people didn't like him and said it's a death threat. Anyway, we talk about that with some Toronto natives. Aliens or demons? Uh, well, it's, it's the alien week, I guess. So, you know, we could talk a little bit about are aliens really other beings from other planets, like you and me, just, I don't know, green or big head, big eyes, or are they other spiritual entities posing as these things? Not are they shapeshifters or anything like that, but when people say there's other beings, other terrestrial life, um, because that's all the rage now in the news for some reason, um, are they really being contacted by their, like, demonic spiritual entities um, rather than little green men? Um, Is evolution a trick? Is God lying if he, like, tricks people with evolution, as some will say? No. No, I don't think so. And I don't take that position anyways. But meet some people who may. And then uh, trans surgery complications. Uh, we talk about, you know, some of the eh, lesser-known stuff about, like, different trans surgeries you hear that are, like, constantly coming out as the topic's becoming more popular now. You see the, the kind of seedy underbelly of surgeries gone wrong. And it's pretty grotesque. So, um, yeah. Anyways, you'll hear. Um, let's see, what else? Then we talk about, you know, how um, how people should be loving, and then someone's like, well, God's not loving. Look how much evil he allows in the world. I'm like, well, does he allow pain and suffering at the expense of, like, Second Peter talks about how God is not slow in fulfilling his promises, but he's exercising patience, you know, wanting everyone to come to repentance. So if we have to deal with some death and disease at the, you know, why does no one ever blame the devil, right? They're like, I don't believe in God, but if he exists, he's evil. Okay, well, you you have the capacity to to read the story and make a judgment on that. So why don't you also read the story and assign blame to the devil? It's like, oh, God is so bad. God is so bad, but he also didn't exist. There's a whole devil dude in there. Like, blame the guy who causes this stuff. Anyway, so if God is allowing this stuff to continue, not the cause, but allowing it to continue... He's giving more people time to repent and wake up and snap out of themselves and come to their senses. So um, I think that's a greater expression expression of love. Anyway, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, free to read with Kindle subscription. Kindle subscription is great. I love that thing. You can check out 20 books at a time. Um, anyways, <clears throat> pay me Amazon. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, grab a t-shirt or coffee mug or mouse pad. Do we have mice too? I don't know. From the Ask a Christian store, support this podcast a little bit. Everything helps. Your generosity is appreciated. You can also just click on the donate link and send support. So blah, blah, blah. send some support that way. I could never be that micro machines guy. Remember him? He talked really, really fast. Anyways, so thank you for your support. Uh, every little bit counts and is appreciated greatly. And um, share these links in social media. And if you have questions about Jesus. That would be super great. Email them to askachristianclub at gmail.com or check out the you know clubhouse and join us live. That's the platform we're using for these live discussions and podcasts. Uh, the link is also in the description and join us live and ask us because there's a whole lot of stuff about LGBT and aliens and demons lately. So if there's anything of a different topic that interests you, we're happy to entertain it. Or we'll just keep talking about aliens. So, uh, Take care, everyone. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time.
Your, Hello, Mister Michael. Nate, your yes. profile pic is is amazing. Are you saying that that Satan is <laughs> Satan is LGBT? Um, you know, probably all of it, just all of it. Because <laughs> you know that, because you know that's what's going to happen, right? That's what people are going to say. Well, I mean, they're already. Com- yeah. Everyone, well, everyone finds a way to look at whatever picture you put up there and find something wrong with it. It's hysterical. Dude, it's like a phenomenon. Like, I've never had this happen before. Like, always, it's just like, you know, people instantly are like, oh, ha, ha. And it's like, induces a little chuckle, and they're like, I get it. Lately, it's like, what the heck is happening? Every time I put up there, it's like, are you saying you worship Satan? I know he's being kicked out of heaven, but you're you're supposed to be a Christian. How can you worship the devil? I'm like, bro, he's falling out of heaven. He's getting kicked out. It's not, like, it's a bad thing. He's the bad guy. Um, Speaking of, do you know who Chris Christopher Sky or Chris Sky is? Mm, is that is that a username that's that's a, like, or is that someone's actual name? Because I don't, I don't think I, I know. I, that name. I mean, it's the name he goes by. Apparently, he's running for Toronto's mayor. <clears throat> um, hang on. I actually, I did see an updated thing. Hang on. Um. Like I guess he got in. I guess he got in a lot of trouble during the COVID lockdowns in Canada, um, like protesting <clears throat> oh, yeah, that he, stuff. Um, he was arrested for uttering death threats uh, yesterday, apparently. <laughs> Wait, just yesterday? Yeah, Toronto mayoral candidate. Well, his um, it's not Chris Sky. It's Chris. Uh, S- uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the last name. It's S A C C O C C I A. Has been arrested for uttering death threats. Toronto police confirmed on Tuesday. Um, Yeah, Toronto mayoral candidate Chris, whatever, arrested for allegedly uttering death threats. Um, best known for his internet moniker, Chris Sky, okay, has made headlines in the past for his protest against COVID nineteen vaccinations and uh, mask mandates. He was arrested in twenty twenty one for uh, threatening to shoot an elected official. Um, oh, he oh wow, he was he was uh, arrested for for threatening to shoot people like Doug Ford, Doug Ford, who is a hardcore conservative. So that's interesting. Cause this, if this guy is like anti-vax and anti-mask and he's threatening to shoot someone who's also very, very conservative. That's very interesting. I just want to know, like, like, why can we never find out anything from Canada? Like why, why don't they ever say there's like arrested for death threats and like whatever we talked about yesterday, like the two different things, it's like arrest or oh, the LGBT pastor guy that got arrested. Like, why, it's like for threatening, for assault. Like, why can't anyone tell us what they actually said? Like, did he say like, oh, you better be careful or someone's going to shoot you for saying that. And they're like, no, no, that's death threats. Or he's like, I will shoot you in the face. Like, like, why can't we never find out exactly what the guy said and let, you know, let us make our own minds if it's like being propagandized or if it's actually worthy of like the crime. It, it seems to me, it, it, it's funny because I don't think you're wrong in that. It seems to me that that the that the media here is very pensive about putting anything out there when they don't a hundred percent know what it is. Um, and so if if so for example, I've heard I've heard reporters say, like who are on the scene saying this is what happened. But when it comes to a reporter getting us getting information from somebody else, they'll say something like, you know, I heard from a source that blank. Hmm. But they, they won't come right out and say it. <clears throat> and I think it's I think it's um, them just trying to uh, protect themselves. That's what I think it is. 
Yeah, but this guy, this guy was, he's been seen here marching with like, well, there's three other people. Uh, so not exactly a big crowd. Um, and the person, a person's holding up the sign saying, you know, no to vaccine passports. Uh, and they spelled vaccine wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem. Um, but yeah, it's funny. So I don't know if they had this in the U.S. Uh, when you were a kid, but uh, in Canada. In, so in order to attend public school in Canada, you must be vaccinated. <clears throat> and there's, you know, uh, like yeah, we the, have some stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, there's you like, get exemptions. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, for religion, there's like measles and mumps, rubella, yeah. all of those kind of different kinds of things, right? MMR. Yeah, exactly. So, um, well, when I was a kid, there was this little trifold yellow piece of paper that had your doctor's information, your information, and then all of the dates associated with the vaccines. And you had to present that. Uh, when you when you got went to the school to register and then each each year like each year you had to show that it was up to date essentially to attend public school yeah I that was a, for my kids yeah that was essentially a vaccine passport and people are freaking out about it it's hysterical well um, uh, okay so hang on let's let's differentiate a little bit i mean that would be to enroll and attend the school um which you can get ex exemptions for um, and then there is, you know, the vaccine passport with which, like, you have to to travel to, like, leave the state to get on the airport. Uh, you have to show this. I mean, you know, that's a little different than once a year to, like, register to get your kids in school. This is like whenever you want to fly or go to another place, um, you got to present an actual passport. Well, what's interesting is, I mean, so in order to go to the, that's actually the other country's rule, not necessarily like so. Yes. <clears throat> in order to fly on Canadian, any Canadian airline, you had to be able to, I think that, I think they've actually lifted that now, but you had to actually demonstrate that you were um, vaccinated. I think you had to have um, the, the initial shot and one booster. I, I don't know whether that's still the case. I don't think they're checking for those things anymore. Um, but a lot of it was the other, basically, you know, so Great Britain is saying in order to come to Great Britain, you must have ABC. So it was the response is so my understanding was it was the responsibility of the country that you're leaving. So us to demonstrate that everybody getting on the plane met those requirements. So it, it was at, at least in Canada, it was as much the other country wanting like asking us to make sure people going there are safe as it was Canada wanting people to be safe. Yeah, but if I want to go to Canada right now, Canada would require me to have one, right? Um, actually, you know what? I'm not sure. I will look it up. I will look on. I will look on our our immigration website and see what it says. Just. A <laughs> well, hey, Sean. Good morning. How are you? Only if you're traveling overseas do I think that you need that uh, vaccine passport with us in the United States, and and to uh, get into other countries. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry, I just looked it up on the uh, on the travel.gc.ca, which is a government of Canada website. Proof of COVID vaccine requirements is no longer required. Pre-test boarding is no longer required. Uh, COVID-19 pre-entry and arrival tests are no longer required. Quarantine after arrival to Canada is no longer required. And using ArriveCan, which is an app that the Canadian government set up, basically for people who, like Canadian citizens who were returning to Canada from a, from a, like a, a vacation or something like that, is no longer required. So no, they've, they've, listed, they've lifted all the requirements. What's on your mind today, brother? Uh, nothing much. Just sitting here listening. I uh, was listening to Chris earlier, and he ought to be here alone. 
any moment and everything, but he's enjoying a good conversation in another room. Uh, oh, what was he, this about? Yeah, he was talking to this fella named uh, No Degree or whatever, and uh, he said, I can, I can beat you in a, a debate any time and everything, and so the, uh, in a former room, he uh, had the last word and ended the room, and so Chris met him again in a different room, and they started again, and he said, I could beat you in a debate any time. And Haiti, she moderated uh, Gooden and let uh, Chris talk. So I wrote in there and said, you know, you wouldn't be able to beat Chris if uh, you didn't over-talk him. You know, uh, people think they win debates just by over-talking people. <laughs> For the record, um, no one should waste their time speaking to Matt Adams. That's no degree. Because yeah, like that—that—that's what he does. His secret weapon is not letting you talk. Hey, DC. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone today? How's it going? So far, so good. Anything Very on good, your thank mind? You. Yeah, I'm just here, uh, uh, just listening to the chat. I thought there might be something I might pipe in on later, but uh, nothing uh, particularly uh, pressing right now. Just supporting my Canadian brother, Michael. <laughs> do you know who Chris Guy is? I do not. Wow. You guys need to engage in local politics. Well, you're not around Toronto, are you? Who's Chris Guy? Oh, oh yes, Chris Guy. He was like... Uh, He's running for mayor, is he not? Had less than one percent of the vote, and something he's happened. Your, I don't know. He's, he's going to be your mayor. <laughs> I think it's going to be Olivia Chow. I'm not a. I used to live in Toronto years ago, uh, but uh, it's been a long time since I've been to Toronto. I think Olivia would do a great job. Yeah, she'll win. She'll win running. She's got a huge lead on everyone else. So. Although I also like uh, uh, Selena, she's good too. Well, good morning, Jimmy and James and everyone else down there. Wow, I was just looking at it. He just got arrested <laughs> for making death threats. Yeah, which, which no one knows what that means, though. Oh, I know what making death threats mean. Well, I mean, you know, you know, if someone's like, if, if there's a politician saying something and then, uh, you know, you know, I don't know, maybe they're saying something really, really, I don't know if they're making a very forceful opinion and then someone else is like, well, man, you better be careful. Someone's going to like shoot you for saying stuff like that. And then they're like, oh, he made a death threat. He made a death threat. When in reality, they're like, no, they're, they're saying you're walking really close to a fine line and you're going to like make a lot of people mad. They want to, you know, walk that back or be careful. Not that they're going to do anything or they're calling for anything, but if someone doesn't like that person, they make, oh, they made a death threat, they made a death threat, uh, versus, hey, I'm going to, like, you know, take you out back and feed you an alligator, um, for real. They're like, oh, well, that that's a death threat. Hey. Uh, hey, Jimmy. What's up, man? It? All right. Hey, I wanted to ask uh, this guy, Michael, with the snake. I want to ask him a question real quick. Michael, the snake. snake. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's a uh, he's an agnostic or he's just an atheist. Oh no, I'm an atheist. Yeah, there's no such thing as gods. And you know there's that, no god. You know that for a fact, like 100 percent for sure. No, no, but I'm I'm a fallibilist, which means I can have knowledge without having absolute certainty. 
Okay. Are you like, are you intrigued by Christians? Are you like, or is it like, is it just funny? Like I see you here like every day and I'm just saying like, are you just entertained? Well, how do you see Christians? Oh, this, this, this I, I get this question a lot actually. So I, I dislike echo chambers, right? I think the best way to stay comfy, cozy, and warm is to surround yourself with people who do agree with you all the time and you never get challenged and you never get questioned. Um, I spend way more time speaking to people I disagree with. Um, but I, but I also, I, so I mean, the, the reason I originally, I'll tell this little story, Dave, if you don't mind. Um, the, the reason I originally came to Clubhouse was to seek out two guys, a guy named Silverstar or Stacy, and a guy named Progressing, I think Progressing or Progressive Pilgrim. And the reason I went to seek them out was to thank them for their public rebuke of my friend Ding Dong, otherwise known as Darth Dawkins, um, for basically making this 70-year-old woman cry in a, in a room. And so they, they laid the smack down on him. And so I joined clubhouse to find them, to thank them for kind of basically holding one of their own accountable. And it was You've the first so time I'd more. ever been. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever been on clubhouse and I was kind of going through the lobbies and I found ask Christian. I was like, Hmm, interesting. I came in here. Uh, I came into this room, what a year and a half ago or something. Nate? Um, and I found the people to be generally agreeable, except Chris. He's a he's not nice to talk to, um, and uh, um, and, and and yeah, I keep on coming back, and they keep. I mean, hey, Nate's modded me, man. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it, generally speaking, uh, the people here are agreeable. If uh, you know, if we want to have discussions, we we agree on some things. Of course, we disagree on most things, but it's a decent, decent place to hang out. And the people are generally nice and easy to talk to. And like I said, I would rather spend time engaging with people who disagree with me. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. But uh, if given the chance, would you, can you prove to people, uh, I don't know if it's uh, proving a negative kind of thing, but can you prove to people that God doesn't exist or like, you don't go out of your way to disprove God, right? You can't do that actually. Which one? Uh, the the Christian God. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that you know one of uh you know so I like actually the way, um, the way Lawrence Krauss put this in one of the talks he was doing once. He said a rough estimate is somewhere around a thousand gods have been proposed, you know, over over several millennia. So the Christian God, you know, has like a you know if you look at just you know mathematically has a point one percent chance of being right. Um. All the gods can't be true because of the mutually exclusive properties and claims made by the people who say these gods are real. At let's, most, let's, oh, at best, I'm sorry. Let's, at best, one yeah. At best, one can be right. But given the claims made about these gods, it's more likely that none of them are true. So, I, so so the direct answer to your question is no. I don't think I can prove any god doesn't exist. But Nate would also say he cannot prove the Christian God exists because um, I've heard him say that. And so what I like to do is I like to have the conversations with the people who, who do believe and I'll ask them why they believe the things that they believe and then we'll talk about it. But when, when it comes to offering proof, like I am, per, I am presently convinced that the Christian God is, is man-made mythology. That's my, that's my level of conviction. It's my psychological state. Could I prove that? No, I don't think so. Certainly not to to a hardcore Bible believing Christian satisfaction. What is it they um, call the, uh, the the philosopher's god? 
You ever heard of that? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Spinoza's God. Sure. Um, yeah. So there's there's no way that that's that's even harder to either demonstrate or or disprove. Right. There's there's no way to either demonstrate or disprove that some creative force didn't fart everything into existence and then just go off in the corner to play tiddlywinks. Doesn't interact with anyone, doesn't do anything, just kind of did it to create a force. There's, there's, there's no way, or at least there's no fathomable way to one, demonstrate that thing or disprove that thing. Well, if I can jump in here for a second, <laughs> a couple things Jamesy said in chat, uh, the best evidence he has for God is the people's continued infatuation with the topic. Um, you know, it's not a bad one. Um, <laughs> I would also say, Michael, you know, to, to be fair, to be fair, to dial uh, Mr. Krauss, be upon him back a little bit. Um, you know, that's like people say, like, what are Protestants unified on? Um, you know, usually from like a Catholic position, because, you know, they're like, oh, Protestants say they're unified on the essentials of faith, right? Like we often talk about, but then um, they're like, but they're not. And then they include things like, because if you're not Catholic, by definition, you're Protestant. So they extend that to like, you know, things that Protestants say are like straight up cults, right? Like Jehovah's Witness or, or uh, Mormons or something like that, that is so far away that if you say, well, oh, well, we follow the Jesus of the Bible, but we're not Catholic, therefore we're Protestant. Like, that's ridiculous. You could do it with anything. Be like, you could be like almost Luciferian who like holds Jesus somehow in some regard and be like, well, they're a Protestant sect. See, you guys don't agree. So, um, I mean, that, that's kind of ridiculous, right? So similarly, that's like Krauss uh, being like, you know, there's so many thousands of gods. There's like a point one, one, one. I mean, we could invent like, you know, a hundred gods in the course of this room and just make them up. And now the Christian God has even less of a chance because we just pulled some gods out of our butt. Um, so generally, though, as, as far as like, you know, even in different pantheons, there's lesser gods, there's all these other gods. As far as like, ultimate creators of matter like creators of everything god even the gods that create other gods there's really a small handful so anyways i would say that mr kraus um so you know no one would be talking about gods on the christian god level right be between the god of abraham Isaac, and jacob you know that's three wor main world religions that follow this god at least their claim is to follow the same god even though you know but um that we posit that as the one being responsible for creating everything in existence. So when we talk about all the other gods proposed at that level, who creates everything else in existence, even other gods, that list significantly dwindles down. So to be fair, I would point that out. Yeah. And, and you know what? And, and, and so, okay, so let's, okay. So let's, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tweak my charity. So let's, let's cut that number, uh, to 10%. Let's just call it a hundred. God, like creator gods. Okay. Do you think that that's sure. more fair? Sure. Okay. So at best, 10% chance that the Christian God is the one. I don't like those odds. Um... Well, 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 hang on real fast. Cause Chris and the CEO both want to say, I'd say sure. But that's also, you know, humans who are pausing this. So, of you course. Know, yeah. Yeah. The, all the yeah, humans and also the disbelief and humans pausing and, and their belief. Yeah, and, and that's also not taking into account that, you know, these humans who are positing these other gods could very well be talking about, you know, the, like Romans 1, they get to deism and then go one step further. So they very well could be talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and just give it a different name and have gone a different direction with it. But uh, Chris and CEO, I think I heard Chris first. And well, I, I, I have to run, so I just wanted to get in okay. four, four questions for, for Mike and then I'll, I'll cover that. Um, Michael, so would you, you wouldn't argue that the chance of aliens existing is 50-50 because 
some people say they are, some say it isn't. I don't, I don't know if that's a good way to kind of define percentages, how you just did that. Um, number two, I wanted to find out whether or not you were pro or anti Thor. I'm kidding. Um, third, uh, Dr. Michael Kaku, um, theoretical physicist, says that God can never, can never be scientifically proven or disproven, so it's a completely silly exercise to try to do so. Um, so I want to get your feedback on that. And then lastly, there was a study that said, um, that argued that um, people are born to believe in God. So do you think that if that is indeed the case, that is a good argument for God? Okay, so going in reverse order, I think the only way you could you could demonstrate that people are born to believe would be to have kind of like the boy in a bubble kind of thing, where you didn't expose them to any kind of exterior stimuli. And then when they were grown, talk to them then and find out. Um, because we're influenced by our caregivers, right? Um, so I think that that's a problem with that. Um, Thor may not be real, but he's super cool. Um, I, 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 in fact, said that I don't think it's possible to prove or disprove the existence of God, um, and certainly not using the scientific method. Um, science has the capacity to test the natural world, and we have no way to demonstrate the supernatural other than personal experience, which is wholly subjective. And the aliens question. So we, oh, we yes. want to oh, propose sorry. aliens is 50% likely just because like maybe half believe in them and half don't. Oh, I, th I think it's actually way, I personally think it's way higher than that. Um, <clears throat> I, I can't imagine a higher degree of hubris than thinking it's just us. Um, like, like I, we, I, we, I, only, there, I, only brought, so I only brought that up, and Nate, I promise I'm shutting up. Um, I only brought yeah. that up because you said out of the uh, 100 gods, it's only a 10% chance it could be the Christian god or something like that. Just because well, math, something right? is like an equal number. But, but that's not a good way to define the percentages of that, because it's just assuming all are equal level of probability. Well, sure, and, and, and it, it, falls, it falls on the, per, the person or people positing the belief in a specific one to demonstrate its viability over the others. Right, and as far as you know, us demonstrating its viability, you know, I would say seek and pray and you know, let God do what God's gonna do, so that's the extent. So if someone you know, wants to like, continue writing that done that thing and they're like i'll never believe it unless you prove it unless you prove it and like okay great pharisee see you later but uh you know for those who do read the words on the book the words of christ and do what he says i think that's where a lot of people uh you know will be like you know what i had a completely um revelatory albeit subjective experience or realization or revelation and now i i believe through whatever reason that the bible is the word of god and god is true um you know i do think uh that you know, if there are, I don't believe there are ex there is extra, actually extra life, extraterrestrial life out there, like at a human level or higher. And Michael, uh, you know, short of that being hubris, just because of the vast amount of, of room we have and how much we don't know, I'd say, you know, my belief is, you know, centered from the Christian paradigm that uh, while it wouldn't be impossible to finagle that, um, I, I just don't don't think that. So, yeah, there is lots of room um, and it would maybe be a little arrogant to think we're we're it. In that regard, unless there's a God that, you know, we has this pet project on us. Um, I do think, though, that if people like start going with UFO, like alien extraterrestrial life um, on Earth, 
and start pursuing down this route more and more and governments are like, oh, okay, well, here's a leak. Oh, oops, here's a leak. Here's a flying craft. Oh, they do exist. Um, I think it's going to be <laughs> um, what they call aliens. Um, I think it's just going to be demons. Um, <laughs> so if there are oh, little so green guys are out there. shifting aliens? I don't know. No, no, I'm not are saying. angels not saying, the founders of the Dominion again? Can we have that discussion for a third? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know about that, but no, Chris, I'm not saying that uh, demons are shape-shifting into aliens. I think when they say aliens exist, we're not going to see aliens. They're like, yes, I'm an alien, and it's actually a demon. I think they're just going to be like, yes, these, these extra-dimensional or, you know, extraterrestrial beings exist, and without seeing a shape or a form, whenever they speak of them, they're speaking of aliens, and I'm just like, yeah, those those are demon entities they're speaking of. Um, anyways, Chris, you were trying to chime in about something about proving God or the 50-50 chance. Did you want to say no, that? I or just you want to talk about aliens? jokes about uh, shape-shifting aliens as angels. Good talk. Bring it back to uh, sci-fi. Wait, so do you not... Um, oh, I, I'll block you if you talk about Star Trek. Um, <laughs> what do you think about it, Chris? As someone who's, you know, rather fuddy-duddy on the spiritual stuff. Um, whenever they talk about aliens, like, what? it goes, so they're like, well, I don't know. Okay, well, maybe... fuddy-duddy on the spiritual stuff because I don't buy into charismania. No. You, you just seem very, you know, I mean, Frozen Chosen, you know, fits you, my friend. Um, <laughs> I don't many, know. Do you many think would start, agree with you. Many wouldn't. If, if they start talking about aliens and stuff, do you see that as, like, extra life or just completely, you know, sci-fi smoke and mirrors or... Oh yeah, they're they're definitely talking about communicating with demons. They don't know that, but that's that's what you surmise. I think people are pattern-seeking creatures, and that we as pattern-seeking creatures want to find patterns in all sorts of things. Agree. And we will find patterns, right? So, I think that the idea that aliens have visited us and Men in Black is real and angels are shape-shifting aliens. Um, like I, I find all of that as I am extremely skeptical that any of that is occurring. And until somebody shows me absolute proof, I will not have faith in those things because I don't see them in the scripture. Were you yeah, going I, your I, own I, direction or did you think you were addressing anything I said? Cause I think you wholly sidestepped everything I was asking. What? Really? Okay. Well, you thought you answered me? Yeah. I thought I answered you. Okay, forget angels. Uh, I, I mean, I guess if you're saying fallen angels or demons, but okay. So when not men in black, not not all the super conspiracy stuff, but it seems like for whatever reason, UFOs and aliens are like making headlines, and more and more people are getting interested into it as like a hobby, and more and more quote leaks and whistleblowers are coming out from like you know the government, and they're like, oh, you know, we've been communicating with you know these extra you know whatever beings for for decades, and you know they've been showing us technology and stuff like that. Um, if that's true, like, right, just assuming, it's a big ask, but if any of that was true and they were communicating with other things somewhere, would you be more inclined to think, yes, that's actual extra beings from another planet, just like you and me? Maybe their heads and eyes are a little bit bigger. Um, or would you think, oh, no, that's like occult, spiritual, like demonic stuff they're talking to? That's your choice. Other beings just like us, except from a different planet, or like spiritual forces who are, you know, like demons. Mm. Aliens are demons, Chris. Aliens are demons. I, it's your dichotomy. 
I I would say, oh, you're you're making me force forcing me to a true dichotomy. That's not a true dichotomy. Uh, yeah. It would be aliens or not aliens. Okay, then yeah, what? Are, that would be the true dichotomy. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, the way uh, I said it, it aliens would be or demons is better. So would it be aliens or demons? Um, I would lean to aliens simply because we have precedent for other people groups being found on the on this planet and that that does not preclude um the idea of the fall but at the same time eh, i don't know that's a that's a complex theological question to be honest with you I, I, so could alien would they be in a state of perfection or would they have been affected by the fall even though they are not necessarily uh from adam and eve sorry i'm just thinking through this you you can get back to us on this. <laughs> yeah, no. I I, I hear I, I see the smoke rising from your PTR yeah, thinking. I don't know, man. Doesn't like, it, yeah, doesn't it, it sit on whether or not you view them as animals essentially or well, as well, humankind? I, Wouldn't it sit or they on could, that? Or they could just be another group that needs to be told about Jesus, right? Because like it, the, we're not but told. They like, wouldn't what, be are descendants told? of Adam and Eve. That would be the problem. They wouldn't fall okay. under federal headship. Like I okay, don't know well, how you deal with that exegetically. Well, unless, like, I was thinking first, before I got to that, I was thinking, like, you know, because the fall affected not just this world, but, like, all of creation, right? And, I mean, I guess all of creation means all of creation. So then would uh, there be, like, a facsimile of Earth happening? Like, you know, Jesus also simultaneously, like, um, appeared on these people's planet, and, and that exact thing played out there just as it did here. Not like it happened twice, but it happened, you know, the same one time just throughout all of creation. I don't know. Well, like what CEO is saying is is true. It's like, well, would you see them as simply animals? And I would say that somebody that, you know, is an alien that travels to us in a spacecraft and, you know, got more advanced technology than us, you'd be hard pressed to say that they weren't sentient, right? Well, you, I mean, <laughs> but the sentience a soul, like, or could a, could they be sentient right. I mean, higher like, than animals or higher than humans soulless, even without a soul? Right. Are these are sentient you soulless these beings? Theoretical <laughs> space aliens would be sentient but don't have eternal souls like that like would clones, be really weird like human clones See, it'd be easier just to human say clones demons. would have souls we know this I, I, it'd be easier to say this demons. would be one of those times it, it, it seems to to me it, it it's it's funny to listen to you guys go back and forth about this but it seems to me that um this would be one of those times where and i'm kind of maybe i'm channeling nate here the bible's silent on that so all we can say is we don't know you're gonna make a good christian again yeah, the, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, so, so I mean, yeah, I, I think the argument would be, like, if the, you know, if the Vulcans showed up for reals, what do we do with that, right? Like, I'm not real sure. All right, and that was Chris for today, everyone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't get mad. I'll bring you back. I do think it's interesting, though, because there's no, like, there's just no way to know. So it's perfectly reasonable to like, like even for a Christian, it's perfectly reasonable to posit the hypothesis that for all we know, God has a hundred trillion of these things going on all over the known universe. Um, and they've got their own thing. Right. And so, so like Chris said, you know, the, the Vulcans or whoever show up for real. Right. And they come here and the first thing they start, like, wouldn't it be something like then you'd really have something 
if they got off their spaceship and started talking about Jesus, you'd really have something there. I, I, it's worth noting that ChatGPT says the Bible primarily focuses on the relationship between God and humanity and centers around the events that take place on Earth. Yeah, yeah. but that's like so that, noted. That's our, yeah, but that's our sample size, right? Like we, we have a sample size of one, right? So I mean, it like ChatGPT couldn't possibly know anything more than that. It only knows what we, you know, what we tell it and. You know, it, it, it you know, like even like machine learning can only learn so from I, what I it has experienced. Is the Bible addressing all of creation in the universe or just Earth? And that's how it responded. So I, I guess the question for Chris would be like, does this do, do you interpret the Bible speaking to all creation in the universe? Or is it like specifically a book just geared towards our experience on Earth and, and the things that impact us? I heard him say aliens or demons. That's that's all I know. I mean, I'm gonna say all creation because I mean, first of all, because there's no reason not to. Like, you know, why it, it, why couldn't why couldn't all of creation include Mars? Sure. Why why? So it's just easier to read it as it like you know, read it as it read it as it's written. All means all. All creation. Maybe that's why we have, we have comets. Uh, you know, smashing into other things. Maybe it's maybe it's like some. Because of the fall, otherwise they would peacefully just fly by and you know like shed off its its uh you know um, minerals or whatever and get absorbed without violently crashing. Um, I don't know, that's ridiculous. But I mean, I, I don't see why all can't mean all. I'm not saying it was aliens, man. But it was aliens. Well, what would be really interesting is is if you guys are right then, you know, somewhere around four and a half-ish billion years from now, it's really going to be something when the Andromeda galaxy collides with the Milky Way. And you guys get to see what that's like. Well, wait, aren't our... Well, we will because we'll be in heaven watching it. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe we will too. Maybe we all will because we'll all be somewhere. But won't the... Isn't the sun supposed to turn into like a red dwarf and like kill Earth before we crash into the galaxy? In billions of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, our sun is at a, like... I've heard scientists say that our sun's at about half life, um, so so yeah, they 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 could, happening, they could be happening kind of you know along parallel timelines, right? So you know the so the sun the sun goes supernova at the same time Andromeda collides. Who knows? Supernova goes pop. I mean, I, in Christian theology, though, Michael, not to disappoint you, but the heavens and the earth will be passed away and there will be a new heaven and a new earth created so all of the universe will be destroyed at the uh, great white throne judgment cool story just saying in christian theology that's what it teaches so it wouldn't be like christians are going to get to witness the heat death of the universe or anything like that because that you know theoretically would be cool well, I think well. the greatest like, irony is that, um, you know, a lot of scientists think that Venus was a lot like Earth three billion years ago or whatever, right? So who knows if there were living things there and they're completely gone. And, you know, we don't know when the return is coming. So let's say it's, in, I'm just making this up, but let's say it's a very, very, very long time from now and you have humans in, on other planets or in other parts of the universe 
um, the earth may be a very different place at that time. And so that, that creates a whole different bag of issues. So I, I think that we don't really know. We just have like baseline to follow and God gives us what we need to know, right? So anything that is not spoken of is because it is not relevant. It is, God does not deem it as relevant to our experience. So, Michael, what I'm really interested in is what is that wackadoodle book that you started reading? What does it say about aliens? Oh, so you weren't here when I when I said that I, I about 190 pages in, I gave up. I couldn't do it anymore. It was actually it, it actually gave me a headache trying to make sense of it because it, it was so like um, like the quarter line from Beetlejuice, like it reads it read like stereo instructions. It was it was really hard to make any kind of sense of, but there were tons of like in in the 190 pages that I did read, tons of gods are mentioned like Set and Osa, like lots of Egyptian gods, um, as well as uh, uh, Quetzalcoatl, which is a, a an Aztec uh, deity from millennia ago, and like it was, but I I lost. I'd like to think that I'm re- like I'm I'm a somewhat smart guy, maybe a little smidge. Uh, I couldn't make sense. It was nonsensical. And so 193 pages in, I gave up. Well, I wonder if, because the guy was a dentist, if he was just high on laughing gas the whole time he was writing it. Did they have laughing gas back then? It's a genuine question. I don't Well, wait, when when did this guy live? It wasn't eight, it wasn't the 1800s, was it? Or was yeah, it 19-something? Yeah, bro. Oh, uh, maybe it's it like peyote. Maybe they. I mean, maybe they, maybe that's why they didn't have laughing gas. So maybe they just use peyote or something. I don't think any white people knew what peyote was until like the 1950s. Did they have ether at that point? Was ether used in the 1800s? I don't know. Do we know he was white? Yes, but um, so I think ether came into use sometime after the Civil War. I could be wrong on that. Does anybody have a history of medicine that knows? I mean, yeah, like, Chris, I'm right there with you. Like, he was cranked out on something. Oh, yeah, I mean, the interesting bit is, like, all these restorationist religions, have you guys noticed, um, and Michael, maybe you have, that there is this, because there was a, a general population fascination with Egyptian stuff because all of the Egyptian pyramids had started getting opened up by um, the British uh, archaeologists and stuff. And so there was like Egypt fever all over the West. Um, And then you see that play out in a lot of these religions. So like, you know, Joseph Smith and the Mormon, the Book of Mormon was written in, you know, hieroglyphics, supposedly. There's a, a link there back to Egypt. There's just some really interesting things about the late 1800s and Egyptology. Yeah, there was actually, after reading, uh, um, after reading um, Book of Mormon, like I actually read all three. I read the Book of Mormon, I read the Doctrines and Covenants, and I read the Pearl of Great Price. Um, and they're, they're, they're fascinating works of fiction. They truly are. Um, the, the, yeah, the kind of stuff that was kind of rolling through the burned over district at the time Joseph Smith was, you know, being arrested and tried for, for fraud and stuff like that. Um, there, there was a lot of stuff, but, but the thing about the hieroglyphics, my understanding is that, is that the, it was posited that these gold plates had hieroglyphics on them, but 
you're hard pressed to find anyone that, that that's even written about to has actually seen the golden plates, except Joseph Smith. I don't know that they, I mean, I doubt they ever actually existed. Oh yeah. I doubt they existed as well. I, I think he totally made it up and you know, that kind of thing. But like, you know, there, there was definitely, there's something, I don't remember where it is, but there's definitely something in there where Joseph Smith describes them as hieroglyphics. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, he, like he also described this, and this is really funny because he, he write like one of the things that, one of the things written about is just so like he, he writes it. And I, I don't, I don't understand how when he was writing it, he didn't say, wait, nobody's going to believe this. So apparently the, apparently the, um, the book of gold plates was like, was the size of like an oversized encyclopedia. Um, but it weighed somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 pounds. And this is because they were, they were solid gold. And this is something he carried around in a satchel. So we're supposed to believe just some average guy of an average build and average muscular strength carried around 400 pounds of gold plates on his back from place to place to place. Come on. Sounds legit. Dude, even, even my character in D and D with like a plus like five strength can't do that. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, plus that'd be 20 strength. Yeah, he could probably do that. Wait, plus five is only 20. Wait, plus four. Oh, plus four is 19. Yeah, plus well, five. You guys got to you gotta admit that to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I don't believe it at all, but if Joseph Smith was like, if it was all legit, then yeah, why can't he walk around with a 400-pound plate or whatnot? I mean, it was if God is truly intervening in there, then it's possible. I mean, we got talking donkeys in the Bible. So why wouldn't that be possible? I mean, if so it like, was a miracle of God and he wanted to make him like Samson, sure. Yeah, like but magically, does anyone think that? Magically that's, like gold. That's, that's what I'm saying, though. If, if God was truly intervening in that, then yeah, he could walk around with any heavy object. Right, but you would think, I mean, he wouldn't like you know, end up dying in like a prison riot then if God wanted to preserve that, or unless he wanted to preserve the Book of Mormon, peace be upon it, but not the guy that carried it. Um, but also, you know, there's revelation and, you know, adding to and taking away scripture um, and, you know, preaching a different gospel, which is exactly what he did, which means he would be an antichrist. So I is, think God would not give him super strength <laughs> because he would be uh, anybody... he would be empowering an antichrist. Trust me, I, I don't <laughs> believe it myself, but I'm just saying, yeah, I know. I get just, your you know, before anyone converse, before anyone, before anyone could just say in before anyone converts to Mormonism. I mean, you know, there's a little argument against it. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, just, I was just going to ask: Is there? Does anybody know the reason we don't see Mormons on Clubhouse? Is there like a? Is there like a social media ban that they have? Is that they're like, all on Facebook? No, because uh, my son is a Mormon. He's on TikTok and 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 uh, and Snapchat. <laughs> so I know they do uh, uh, social media. Well, why aren't they? Why aren't they on Clubhouse? I don't understand. Well, that's I think they'd be all about I think I know because I I think they do what Christians should be doing, and that's you know tell people about what they're selling, and if no one's buying, then you know they, they don't like to um they don't like to stick around and waste breath. Um, so I mean you know maybe it's like you know more than once before God, and then you know peace out. Um, instead of like having you know arduous debates over and over and over, they get to nowhere. So it's like, hey, here's our cult. I mean, uh, you know, their religion. And if people want to hear more about it, they'll tell them all they want to know and suck them right in. But if they start asking too many questions, they're like, oh, you're not ready for the secret. You're not ready for the truth yet. And then they – so I bet that's why they're not in Clubhouse. 
like on Facebook, man, they are everywhere. There's posts all over the place. But if you inquire or challenge them, they kind of disappear. Amazing. Amazing you said that because my son has been dealing with Mormonism for the past three years. And I had a conversation with him when I was in a, when I was on vacation. I asked him, I said, do you believe you're going to be a god and you're going to get a wife and, with your own planet? I said, because that's what you're, you're that's what that's what you are involved in teaches. And that's oh, not what the said? Bible teaches. <laughs> he was like, well, I've always, I've had trouble with that, that. I had just because I hear what this read what the Bible saying. Then I I got to do this book of Mormons. I said, which 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 carries more weight to you, the Bible? I said. So that's so that's that's the beginning of his deliverance. So apostle, um, and take this in the manner which is intended. But um, you, you're a black man, yes? Oh, definitely. And I know and your son, doing, and I ain't gonna be offended. Crunk, crunk. And and your and your son is your son is also a black man. Yes, sir. Bucking yeah. Goose. So prior to so according to the Pearl of Great Price, prior to 1964, your son would not have been allowed to receive the priesthood. Maybe ask him that. Thank you, Michael. I, I think I just might take your advice. And when I when I talk to my son the next time, but he's about to, I'm not going to be able to talk to him for the next few months. He's going into the Air Force as an officer, so I can't. Oh, I, cool. He's following in your footsteps. Well, yes. were you enlisted or an officer? I was enlisted. I was enlisted. Oh, man, he's doing you one better. Yeah. Plus, he plus he got his degree at, he got his, he got his bachelor's degree at a young age. I had to wait till I was 30, in my 30s, getting married. <laughs> Hey, I'm 50, I still don't have one. But, uh, yeah, but I do thank you, Michael, for that. Because it always bothered me. I said, how can Gladys Knight, who was raised in the Baptist church, who got got cousins in the Church of God in Christ, if if y'all know the song, Oh, Happy Day, Edwin Hawkins is her cousin. So I was like, like, how are y'all in this? How could you be possibly in this? They just—I think it was lack of money because she had all this money. She didn't say. Yeah, it is funny. So, and if you actually read in, uh, actually read in the Book of Mormon, um, the sons of Ham. Uh, the the reason why you're black is because of the curse of the sons of Ham. Um, and, like it, it's fascinating. The the, the Mormon Church. I, I don't know if you could find a bigger seed of racism in religion than the Mormon faith. So, like, I, I would love to have a, a conversation Black with Black Hebrew Israelites? Um, okay, okay, touche. They could rival, they could be rivals? Touche. Touche! Um, um, yeah, but no, it's, uh, like, it, it's, I'd love to have another conversation with you because there's lots of stuff where, like, where the, the Mormon traditions actually teach against, um, like anyone who's not white, whitesome and delightful is are the actual <laughs> words in the Book of Mormon. Well, delightful, Chris can't be a Mormon. <laughs> I'm kidding, Chris. You could, you're delightful. Oh, sour. <laughs> Chris, are you having a good time? 
But anyway, yeah, when you talk about these Mormons and and and, and some of the early teachers, like I I'm saying I'm saying I'm 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 real puzzled. I'm real puzzled about how my son and and black folk, especially who lived during uh, the civil rights era and and all the way in through this and up to now, who know history, can be a part of it. It, it really bothers me. Same way with the Hebrew Israelites who teach that white folk is the devil. <laughs> well, welcome, Serendipity. Uh, Mormonism, racism, or aliens, your pick. Or if you have any other topic about, is she on the phone? Yes, she is. It said she was, and now it says she's not. Well, uh. funny because I mean they they have a good story, right? Like if you if you're exalted enough to reach the celestial kingdom, you are a god with your own planet, right? That's a that's a good sales pitch for people who are looking for one. Right. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we could all we could make a story to rival Mormonism and in. in you know, cool stuff you get. I mean, you know, Islam's not bad, right? Like 72, like, you know, chicks to hook up with. I mean, for eternity, like, I, well, 72 for eternity. Yeah, you'd need more than that. But I mean, I mean, we could come up with some pretty cool sounding stuff, like unending video games. I don't know, like a Call of Duty that's actually fun to play. Um, just, you know, whether or not it's actually true. That's that's the kicker. Um. <clears throat> no, tough crowd. I, I can't say I can't say if we gonna uh, are we gonna uh, are we gonna listen to Luther Van Jones forever? Ha! Huh, that, that's always kind for of, love. Oh, that, that <laughs> sounds like my hell. <laughs> to hear Luther Van Jones sing forever? Nah. Oh man, Chris, you think heaven has a technological equivalence, or you think it's gonna be like, you know? Uh, like heaven, hell, like you think these places are going to be us, like hell, like barren wasteland, like volcanoes and like fire and stuff like that, or uh, or are they going to have like uh, any technology, maybe not electricity and stuff like that, but something equivalent, or heaven's going to have like, I don't know, high tech stuff, or it's just going to be like, you know, void of that. Sure, sure, great, great, awesome. All right, I got nothing else for you guys. <laughs> oh, D, what's up, D? Thank you. How's your morning going? You know, uh oh, we don't hear. Oh, yeah, nope. there you are. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're a little quiet, but yeah. Okay, hold on for a second. Let me try something. Is this better? Yes. Okay. That was going to be my question. Like, what is what is the Bible's interpretation of what hell is going to be? Like, you hear different people saying what it is, but what is the biblical aspect of what hell is supposed to be? Well, I mean, the descriptors in the Bible are like, you know, um, lake of fire, outer darkness, um, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Um, yeah, a place prepared for the devil and his angels for eternity. So not fun. It don't sound fun. Does not sound fun. Anyone else, Sean? Did I miss anything? Yeah, hell, hell is. I, I I keep making this analogy. Hell is the 
torture chamber, the place of the holding cell, because hell and death going to get thrown in the lake of fire. So fire, so hell ain't the last stop. <laughs> you know, when, when if someone goes to jail, and I hope no one ever does, you get put in a holding cell before you even see the judge. Well, guess what? Before you see the judge, you got to sit in the holding cell for a while. And then they take you, get arraigned on and what have you. And then, then of course, you, get, you go do your trial. And then finally, not guilty? Cool. You're going, you're going about your life. Guilty? Prison will be your your home for however long your sentence is from for as little as 90 days to life. So <laughs> so think about that. I think that's one of the so, reasons why some of the why some of the like annihilationists like like Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, right? Like they're annihilationists. So, um, you know, so because um, the, the Bible does say, I can't remember what it is, but the dead are conscious of nothing. Um, and so what witnesses believe is, you know, if, if you die before the end comes, the, the end of this system, they call it, comes, then you are just dead. You're con- you, know, you, you sit unconscious in your grave. Um, and then at the time of the, the great resurrection, you are brought back in a glorified body, um, you know, fully restored to your prime of life. Um, and then if you haven't been told the truth, you're told the truth and given the option whether you want to live that way or not. And you can say yes or no. Um, and then if you say no, then you're just gone. You're just annihilated. There is no, there is no eternal torment and suffering. Uh, you're just gone. And if you say yes, you have, if you give a thumbs up to that, then you live in a restored paradise earth uh, forever. And, and I, think that's, I think that's one of the reasons why some of those, I mean, yeah, full-blown cult. I mean, who's kidding who? Um, uh, are popular in some ways because it's like it's 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 minimum risk, right? If if you do follow an ideology like that, because you know, if you're if if I'm wrong, pit, nothing happens anyway. I'm just gone, right? So, questioning to you, Michael, if that does happen, what choice are you choosing? Paradise or gone forever? Well, if I'm if I am so if I'm wrong and it's the it is the Jehovah's Witness faith that I'm presented with, um, if 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 eternity, if if the God of the Bible is the representation, I'd rather not be there. And would you give any leeway for you know gross misunderstanding like? Based on the Bible, if God exists, he seems so evil because of this. And then, like, give a giant chunk to, uh, okay, if you're wrong and if God is described as the Christians say where it's all amazing and awesome, then, well, that sucks because I'm missing out because I thought God was evil, but I could have been wrong. Well, yeah, of course. And if First John 4 is right, where it says God is love, then I'm going to get that opportunity, right? No. Well, I'm just saying, you're like... You know, different people say different things, right? You know, ask a hundred people, you get a hundred different, a uh, hundred different answers. I'm, I'm probably going into a place where I can't talk much, but uh, I'll be listening. Serendipity, are you back or are you still on the phone? I'm back. Sorry about that. Aliens, racism, or hell? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Aliens sounds fun. 
Oh, I did that to myself, didn't I? <laughs> I was thinking earlier, I'm like, why can we not get away from aliens this week? And then it's because I always bring it up, that's why. See there? Your hey, own worst uh, enemy. I wanted to ask Michael, has he applied Pascal's wager to his uh, thoughts? Well, he said he may not be able to talk for a little bit. Oh, sorry. Unless he can answer that. <laughs> well, I see about Pascal's wager. Yeah, I. let's go ahead and mute him. I think that was an accident. We'll ask him when he gets back. But yeah, Serendipity, what's on your mind? Anything or uh, are aliens demons? Mm, I don't know. Could be. You're no fun. Edwin, what about you? What's up? Right. <laughs> you How's asked your day going, hey. No, no, a different different topic if you got one. No, you brought up aliens, man. We're going there. Nah. That's all right. Okay. No. We're going there. Uh, talk about aliens. Come on. Look man. at it. Right. Well, look at it. Look at Edwin's PTR. He is an alien. What the hell, right. Edwin? What happened? You discriminating against me, bro? You got some problem? I, I want to hear from you, man. Tell us your ways. Did you just gender him? Did you assume, <laughs> did you assume, assume that I was an alien? I said he's an alien. How's that a gender? I said, tell us your ways. Well, I mean, everything else is a gender. You're assuming my race. Did you first of all have a <laughs> forehead? It's a, I got a uh, forehead implant. But anyway, <laughs> so we can't, we can't talk about aliens then? No? no? Well, we uh, have oh, been talking oh, about aliens. We were talking about aliens for about 30 minutes this morning. You should have been earlier to the party. Oh, shoot. Edvern, do, do aliens... Yeah. Do, are they knowledgeable? Of are they knowledgeable of God and Jesus Christ? Yes, and they right. and there's evidence that they um, respect the name of Jesus Christ. That's why there's been many alien abductions that have been stopped through calling on the name of Jesus. Go to alienresistance.org. There's like over 70 testimonies of people stopping alien abductions through calling on the name of Jesus. Oh, this was and, somewhere I did not expect. Yeah, yeah, there no, there's no jokes. Alienresistance.org. Go, yeah, I'm not kidding you. Joe, Joe Jordan, he worked for MUFON in Florida, I think. MUFON is like uh, some kind of UFO. Yeah, he actually started out. He wasn't a Christian, and then he started to interview people who were abducted by aliens and stuff. And they, and there was a spiritual component that was um, being brought up in the conversation about Jesus and how uh, some of the people were involved in the occult. I believe, and then that opened doors for these entities to afflict them and abduct them. But anyway, some people were talking about how they call, they would just call out in the name of Jesus. They were so desperate, and they would stop many of the alien abductions. It's, it's pretty fascinating. So it's so. If you're being contacted or abducted by aliens and do not wish it to continue, there is hope. Despite certain researchers, uh, you know, I'm just going to claim victory. Aliens or demons? I was right. That's why. Dr. Hugh Ross actually, I, I don't know if you guys are a fan, but Dr. Hugh Ross also talks about um, aliens and uh, being demonic spirits as well. And he also said something about, like, if you had any kind of, like, connection to the on-call, um, that's when you experience the most exposure. And, like, people in Russia were, like, experiencing it a lot because they did a lot of practicing in the on-call. So I've heard that before. Is that why Trump doesn't like illegal aliens coming into our country? <clears throat> Those are different kinds of aliens, Coletta. Oh, okay, my bad. But but seriously, about the um, supposedly most—I don't know if it's all—but a majority, it's a large percentage, of the people who have been abducted, 
Uh, they've had they either dabble with in the occult, like Ouija boards and magic, or they are descendants of people that dabbled in the occult. Because what happens is when you dabble in the occult, uh, it opens up. It basically you're giving rights to demons to come into your life and to afflict you. So that's that's the that's the idea. <clears throat> FYI, Michael, you got an open mic. Oh, crap, okay, sorry. Keeps doing that. I, I muted him a minute ago. Oh. He's probably been like a, a closet Christian this whole time. He's going into like confessional or something and didn't want us to hear it. That's it. <laughs> We're going to like catch him on, on mic. <clears throat> Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have been an unbeliever all my life. I have come to Christ. Let's see, anything going on in chat? I've got yeah. something. Chris, Chris is a, a Calvinist, right, Chris? Yep. So, <clears throat> John was talking about evolution one day and that God is fooling the non believers to believe evolution is true to trick them. Uh, do you hold that? the same way, Chris? Let's see. He's at breakfast. He's at. Uh, he's in the shower or he's crawling in an attic and can't answer this thing. How would evolution have anything to do specifically with Calvinism? Yeah, that's something interesting, actually, right? Like, it would have to be it would have to be a consensus of, you know, every single solitary branch of Earth and life science for over a century. It's just what Johnny Haas had said. I found it interesting. And but yet Johnny Haas is saying that God doesn't lie. So uh, I think that's kind of interesting. Well, that's Titus 1, right? God can't lie. Well, there's also like, you know, God sent people strong delusions. So if someone wants to conflate that and be like, ha, see, it's a delusion. Therefore, God lies. I mean, I can imagine God be like, well, I'm God and I'm saying I'm not. So a delusion is not the same as lying. Um, so I guess you'd, that person would be arguing against God. Um, well, Chris, if you ever get back, let us know if you can answer. Fred, what's up, Fred? I was under the impression that, according to the Bible, like he would give people over to to their delusions. Yeah. So meaning that <clears throat> that he would allow, because there's a couple, because people talk about God's will, and there's several types of God's will according to what <clears throat> I've understood. Bible, which is like God's perfect ultimate will, and then God's permissive will, meaning like what he would allow to, to happen. Yeah. I mean, obvious, oh, you got a lot of feedback coming in. Yeah, There's a sorry, lot of wind God, or something. If, yeah, if God is super powerful, all powerful, like if he wanted his perfect will done all the time, it would just be done all the time, no questions asked. So there, there's got to be, there's got to be some kind of line that God's saying, all right, well, we're, I'm gonna allow A, B, and C as opposed to, you know, D, E, and F. What do you think? Am I, am I off or? Well, no, you're right. Like God, I mean, God allows all kinds of stuff. Like if sec, well, gotta, gotta mute you. There's lots of feedback coming through. But like, you know, is it Second Peter that talks about, you know, God's not slow in fulfilling His promises, but He's being patient. Uh, you know, giving everyone who will a chance to come to repentance. So we can decipher from that pretty easily. 
that, you know, God's not cool with all this evil happening, but he's allowing a lot of leeway for all the people who are going to come to their senses and repent um, to do that. Uh, but yeah, there are some things that God absolutely says this is going to happen, like read Revelation. That's a whole list of stuff God says is absolutely going to happen. Um, is, that is that including the rapture? <laughs> I think so. But uh, uh, yeah, even people that think, so, yeah. yeah. I, so apparently God has given some people who believe in Jesus Christ and the Bible and the Holy Spirit uh, over to delusion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a little out of context of Roman ones and inventing new ways to do evil, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, other people could say that about preterism, I guess. But yeah, so I mean, the things in Revelation that says is absolutely going to happen, which by the way, like, you know, the, I mean, the, the rapture, like that's inferred and that's more for like Thessalonians, right? A lot of it, uh, like the catching away. But um, I mean, Revelation, like, you know, there will be an antichrist, um, you know, Jesus will return, uh, you know, new heaven, and new earth, et cetera, et cetera. Like the things that are, going to happen um so yeah hey john lee how are you doing today hey Nate. what's up john good morning how's it going uh going pretty good um kind of interesting what happened uh you know Matt Adams, right? I know the name. I I think I, he I think he occasionally comes in here. I um, yeah, um so Johnny but I, I don't know him really well. Yeah, Johnny what? House created a, a a room in my house. Uh, it's Tools for Christ or whatever. And <clears throat> so I noticed that like three in the morning. Anyway, um, Matt Adams joined and uh, I made a mod because I've known him like about thirteen years. Anyway, it was just very strange what the interaction is one with Chris and. Uh, about the you know reform view and Armenian view this and that but uh yeah he kind of uh sent me to the audience in my own room and then he oh. killed it <laughs> so that was kind of interesting I just uh well that didn't sound very nice I don't know why he did it I mean it's just uh he seemed very upset at what Chris was telling him and uh so he was upset know. at Chris, so he sent you to the audience? Yeah, that's what I don't understand. I, <laughs> maybe I, you I missed Quake. Did you ask him? Like, maybe he was like, oh, whoops, clipped her on the wrong one. Don't know. It could have been that one of those times I, he was talking and I could try to cut in maybe, and maybe he didn't appreciate That could be it. Did it happen today or yesterday? Just about three hours ago. Okay. Less than three hours ago. Well, we're glad you're here now. <laughs> So, John, hey, you're Caleb, a Calvinist, right? Yeah. What? <clears throat> Can I ask him the question I asked Chris? Uh, sure. And then I wanted to say hi to Calvin. Or Caleb, sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely not um, militant about that. Okay. Well, d d have you heard Johnny Haas mention about God tricking those who hold evolution to be uh, true, that it's an illusion that he's just fooling people to believe that. Yeah. So I've heard him and Matt got... say that in terms of uh, about God sending a powerful delusion because they did not love the truth. So basically, he, his view is that God is sending uh, people with evolutionary theory because they didn't love the truth. 
So is that God basically lying or not? Um, no, he doesn't. It's kind of like um, that Darwinianism is given to you, is sent by God, which is a lie, uh, because you don't want the truth. So God sending a lie would sound like that's a lie. God is lying. If God well, you sends have to, a lie, <clears throat> okay. Well, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. You have to first establish that it is a lie, and then if it is a lie, you have to, you know, claim some kind of prize for doing what the people who put the book together could not do. Um, so either they're very dumb, and no one in two millennia has figured out that it's contradicting itself, or uh, everyone that's ever studied this has come to the conclusion that yes, uh, you know, giving people over to their own delusions, et cetera, et cetera, is not on par with a lie. Um, therefore, God is not lying. Um, but uh, Caleb, what's up, Caleb? Do you have anything to say? Hey, what's up? Um, I guess I'm just kind of listening right now. But I mean, I, I've talked to John and Corletta a lot, so <laughs> about this issue. But yeah, I mean, as far as God lying, um, Hebrews six eighteen says it's impossible for God to lie. So uh, that's that. It doesn't contradict uh, the passage you're talking about. I think it's Second Thessalonians. But John, and, doesn't this kind of exhibit you to the criticisms given with like divine skepticism about like where where do we have global skepticism? Where can we know that God isn't having us deluded, and where can we know that He is, or what potentially? Right, that would be the the question. That they would raise. Yeah. I think I think as far as global skeptic, I mean that that stems from the evidential problem of evil and skeptical theism and so forth, and that's a response. I believe. Well, it does, but if you're, I think it also goes with you, like if you're implying that like God made the world look old or evolution to be true or something, just to I know you I know you're not a young earther, but just to like deceive, not just to deceive us, or like in a way that's not clearly obvious, right? Then the question is, well, what is that? What else does it open up to? Does that apply to scripture? Does it apply to God's apparent love, like that's kind of what the what the criticism well, was. Well, wait. So, I mean, that the that wouldn't speak directly to intent. Like, you know, some people will say God made the earth mature, which is weird every time I hear that. But I mean, you know, it, that I mean, that wouldn't speak to intent. Like, did he do it to trick someone, or did he do it just to get this thing going? Like, he's like, okay, we've got billions of years. Let all the other stuff come together at once. Uh, this Earth, uh, you know, I want to build this planet. That the time starts now. Boom. So instead of like, you know, taking time to let this specific planet form. Uh, like maybe all the others, perhaps he's just like, all right, new planet, go, and it's yeah. done. Just and like it looks, when, looks old. When so God go formed intent. Adam of the dust of the earth, right? He formed him as an adult, and so so it says, did he create him as an adult? Was it to trick us into believing that he grew to that point? I mean, I mean that's not what's going on. Uh, John, a question, John, if I could. Yeah. So when we read in like Second Thessalonians about God sending a strong delusion, is the idea that He allows uh, uh, demonic spirits, kind of dispatches, allows demonic spirits to deceive people? Yeah, it's it's more than just allowing. He mm -hmm. sends them. Like uh, you know when we read in um, the Old Testament where uh, He sends evil spirits, right? It's the case that uh, you know like Satan. The demons, they are making this request known to God, and God is approving, and he's sending them. All right, thanks, John.
It's, it's not like he's sending them that the, that these uh, deceiving spirits are like um, neutral and that he's just like commanding them to do it because God has uh, deceptive and malicious intentions. That's not the case at all. He, he permits these things mm -hmm. under, under, from what I believe, to be uh, God's plan in the sense of God has different intentions for what he permits. Hmm. Now, it reminds me, it was an analogy somebody used about, we read about God hardening, like, for example, Pharaoh's heart. Uh, it's comparable to hardening clay. The clay is hardened by withdrawing, removing moisture. Right? So somebody used the analogy, that's how God hardens a sinner. doesn't make them more sinful. He just removes, like, his hand of restraint to allow them to become as sinful as they can be. Like, the Holy Spirit, as you know, restrains sin. Uh, so when God hardens somebody, he just removes uh, like light or the restraining power of the Holy Spirit. Is that your understanding, John? Yeah, I mean, withdrawing light or I mean, that kind of a thing. I mean, I would go with that moisture as far as that moisture being some sort of like a, a living water type of situation. Um, yeah, I would agree with that analogy. I have a question. What's up? This idea of hardening your heart. Like, I feel like personally, uh, God has hardened my heart in terms of like, I, I'm not empathetic at all, right? And I don't know if that's, that's the way I grew up, right? But we have all these communities that are like, let's just call it what it is, the gay community, right? And I just, I have, I, people are like, I have a heart. I hear Christians have a heart for the gay community. Is there anything like, you can do about it? Whoa, whoa. Is there anything you can do about the wind? Like, can you get in a car or cover the mic or something? That is, ah! That is... Uh, is that driving you nuts? Yes. Is there a way you can just, like, put your hand over the mic or, or do something? I'd like to hear what you're saying, but that is painful. Okay, can you... Is that a little bit better? Uh, try to little... say a whole sentence. Is that a little bit better? Sure. Okay, so this idea of hardening God hardening people's hearts, right? I feel like God has hardened my heart in regards to particularly what is going on with the gay community. I don't even know if it's God. It's just maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So I've heard Christians say, you know, I have a heart for the gay community, right? Well... That seems weird to me. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like somebody would detest that community. That that's like abhorrent. That's like gross. Well, I mean, obviously they. Well, obviously they mean they have a. You know, they have a. You got to mute now again uh, when you're not talking. I mean, obviously they mean they they have a heart to like you know witness to that community and pull people out of it, not be like oh gay is the way wonderful. But, you know, kind of like you could say how Jesus, like, hung out with sinners, not to endorse their sin, but to bring them out of it. So, I mean, I mean, unless it's the one time they're meaning something different, when someone says, oh, I have a heart for this, or I have a heart for these people, or this group, like drug addicts, or widows, or homeless people, or whatever, or veterans, um, it just means, you know, they have, they have a special, like, pool towards those people uh, to share Christ with them uh, for some reason. So, I mean, of course, that's what it means. It's like um, Jonah and the Ninevites, right? Like he had a, well, I mean, he didn't have a heart for the Ninevites, but that's what God wanted him to go do. And even if you don't, you think it's a bit of a waste of time? Because like, are, are what are the chances that, that uh, 
that a gay tranny, you know, if, if somebody who's willing to cut their dick off, let's just call it what it is, right? If they're that, if they're that committed, do you think they're just going to turn? I don't think anyone's and, too far gone from the gospel, Fred. You think so? Okay. Hang on, well, hang on, well, Fred. Well, Fred. Well, no, 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 something needs to be said. Not every person who wants to transition... Ah, Fred, actually, you got to mute again. Yeah, not Fred, every, whatever... Whenever you're not talking, Fred, make sure you mute because that is killer uh, static. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Fred's, Fred's speaking nonsense by saying that a gay individual wants to remove their genitalia because they want to transition. Not every person that wants to transition doesn't have to go through the procedure, right? That's not a requirement. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot said there. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Fred, I mean, I'd say there's a mix and match, right? So first of all, it doesn't matter how how easier, like, look, what, wow, what you just said parallels Jonah great. Like, you know, it was Nineveh. These people are evil, and Jonah did not want to go to them. I mean, we could call Jonah Fred for the Ninevites, and, uh, you know, so, he, I mean, he tried to get away from it really hard, um, and he was sure these people were going to kill him. They weren't going to repent, and turns out, you know, they actually did. Um, so I'd say, from the Christian standpoint, you know, our job is to tell people, so it doesn't matter how what the conversion rate is. That's, that's for God anyway. Our job is just to tell so tell them, and if they don't want to hear it, be like, all right, well, whatever. I did my job. Um, I trust God to, I trust God to do His job. But then we see, like, it's kind of like abortion, right? Like, you know, there's there's like all these women videos, like of, of abortion, and this is not one size fits all, but kind of like you know, abortion was the thing ten years ago, um, and there'd be women having like abortion celebrations, like you know, like birthdays for their dead baby they murdered. You'd be thinking, gosh, who of them can come to Christ? And then someone will tell them about Jesus, or something else will happen in their life. And they have a complete meltdown and are like, oh, this. And you find out later after they like, you know, check themselves out of like therapy or whatever, um, that it's completely wrecked them. And they're like puffing themselves up and like, you know, fighting against it so hard. Like, oh, I killed my baby. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And like have dead baby birthday cakes and all this like vile stuff um, because, you know, they they felt what they were doing was so bad after they did it. And instead of having a complete breakdown then. They just kept adding fuel to the fire to keep it going to like put up those walls. And then finally the dam broke and they're just like, holy crap, what have I done? And thankfully there have been Christians there to help them pick up their broken pieces and put themselves back together again. And, uh, you know, many of them went on to have actual babies and happy, well-adjusted lives. I can't speak for everyone, but I mean, you know, Google it. There's plenty of stories. Similarly, now we're seeing like as more people are transitioning and getting their genitals chopped off and like breast chopped off and all this other stuff. And especially like the, it's like sci-fi, like Frankenstein stuff. Whenever, like a lot of surgeons don't tell you know, because they have a lifelong patient. So there's all kinds of different reasons and motivations behind this. But not all mer- doctors, uh, you know, fulfill the, the oath to do no harm. Like a lot of them know what they're doing and they aren't fully honest with their patients. So whenever they're like, oh, we're going to chop off your penis and give you a vagina. And it's really like a gunshot wound that's never going to heal. And to keep it from healing and closing up, you have to keep like sticking these things in you like every single day. And, you know, like you hear, like, like Google this one. I don't want to get into depth on this, but you'll hear stories because it's an open wound of like maggots infesting people and all this other stuff because you're keeping an open wound from healing. So um, you think people like that aren't going to have a second thought? And then you, it's rhetorical. You see videos and interviews of people, can't speak for everyone, but there's plenty of people who will speak and say, I don't know what I've done. Like, I regret this so bad. Like, I think about killing myself every single day. And many do. And I know they would like you to think it's because of transphobia and people who like say mean things on the internet to them, which, you know, maybe there's been some people that do that. But also think if you have a maggot infested gunshot wound um, to your lower extremities, um, 
I don't know, man. I'd, I'd think about killing myself if I had like infestations of maggots and bugs and like gangrene from this stuff that no one told me about. And then after you do the surgery and give them their money, they're just like, well, sorry, you're on your own now. Um, and, and I mean, talk about heartbreaking. So to think that some of these people are not open to being like, wow, I need a new direction in life. Um, yeah, I think a lot of them would would reevaluate things. And I just, where, where is this coming from that is a maggot infested wound that will not heal? Uh, where is that coming from? I've never okay, heard so of this. Which, uh, which, which part? Um, so we can a, start with. Right. So imagine you're you have an open wound. Because, like, whenever, whenever they, like, replace your penis right, or, like, get rid of your penis and create a vagina out of it, like, essentially it's an open wound. Because if it, if it heals, like, it, like, if you just leave it alone, it will heal up and you'll essentially just be, like, a eunuch. Well, hang on. Um, I want to ha- ask you, where are you getting this information from? Because I don't think that is the case. I mean, my first question would be, how have you not heard no, this? And then I'm my second thing is, yeah, where are James, you I'm telling don't you. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me, please then don't cut me off like you, I'm not answering your question when I'm literally answering your question. So, all right. So, my first thing is I can't believe you don't already know this. The rest of that is give me like three minutes to Google some articles for you. All right, carry on. I was going to say, I think we can be really sympathetic. Like, you can, on the one hand, be against that, I shouldn't say against the community, against the sins of that community and love the people, right? But I, I do think there's a lot of messaging on the Christian side that's really negative, and that's what turns them away. And I do think there's, I'm not saying they should just be, you know, there's two extremes. On the one hand, the people who are diehard accepting, you know, and the the clergy, I don't, I don't agree with that, um, where they can't condemn sin. But I also don't think that the church, and this is a minority people, granted, who are, you know, go out and basically say that God hates them and, and stuff like that. So there's certainly a middle ground that I think um, the church should be doing a better job at, at reaching them out. But I think it's also being really sympathetic in terms of like, I do feel bad with people. And luckily I've never had to deal with, you know, gender dysphoria, but I do know just for, for, you know, I work in, uh, as an assistant for state government and we've had bills about stuff like that. And I've had to, to do productions on it, but, um, you do have people who, you know, especially kids who suffer from gender dysphoria. And I've had parents tell me that they are legitimately worried that there's child self-harming and that the kid's going to kill themselves if they don't, you know, basically agree to, to um, transition them. And I don't think that they should. And I think that it would be wrong to do so because that does bring harm to the child. But I also understand the idea of like, you know, is it better to live a life like that than to have them kill themselves in which, you know, yes, transition has irreversible damage, but so does suicide. And so like, if they have tried that, you know, I'm not advocating for people to transition their kids, but I'm just saying, I do feel bad for parents who and sometimes very conservative Christian parents who've said, I've tried literally everything. I've tried taking them to therapy. I've tried giving them mental help and nothing's working. And, you know, and my child's basically threatening to kill themselves unless they can, they can do this. And I just do feel bad. And I feel bad for people who are same sex attracted, who basically are being asked to be celibate their whole life. Right. And that, that's very difficult to do, to not be with the person they love. And so, although I can say, I agree that it's a sin and that we should, uh, you know, be ministering them accordingly. I do think that we can really feel bad for them or at least try to have God use them in a, in a different way to get through those struggles because it's, it's a tough situation to be in. You guys can keep talking. I'm just Googling some stuff for James. By the way, James, uh, check out, <laughs> um, regardless if you think it's biased or not, I mean, you know, the interviewee seems real enough. What is a woman? Like, if you've seen that documentary, that's like, that's got, um, of course, it's biased and it's got a slant, 
but these are actual cases, right? So the interviewees um, go into detail about this. This one's not specifically maggots. This one is talking about how a, um, uh, what is it, female to male um, got a penis implant, and I guess the pubic hair began growing and didn't stop or something like that, and it took over where the urethra should be and caused like extreme pain and complications. And I, th I think they, I don't know if they ended up like chopping it off himself or something because of the extreme pain. But um, anyways, that's, that's the shining example. But yeah, I mean, just Google some stuff. Like I'm Googling a uh, vaginoplasty male to female gone wrong. Um, oh, is he gone? Oh, he left. Well, anyways, not to uh, ruin anyone's lunch with talks of maggots and stuff like that, but yeah, like there's uh, very real problem. There's very real problems with this. So short answer, don't do it. Um, longer answer, if you do do it and you regret it, well, that's what Christians should be there for, to uh, not pass judgment and not ignore you like the people who do these surgeries, uh, but be like, well, there is a better way. There is hope. How is it? The guy asks for sources and I get sources and he leaves. All right. Well, anything else? So what dumpster fire did it? Are you just now back? Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyone want to recap or should we just move on? Let's see, was evolution a deceiving sign from God to trick evil people? Therefore, does God lie? Um, why should Christians uh, appeal to the LGBT community? Because it's an abomination to God. So why would people say they have a heart for these people and to try to witness extra to them? Um, and then some examples given was his example or his thing was obstinance. Like these people are never going to come to Christ. Uh, my, I pointed out that, you know, there's lots of things that go wrong and people end up, you know, killing themselves through like bad surgeries, bad other stuff, like, you know, maggot infestations um, from different surgeries and stuff like that because they don't tell people the full truth. So there's plenty of reason why people would be like, you know, I made a mistake. Maybe there's a God out there who understands. And um, then apparently that the maggot thing grossed everyone out and they left. Welcome. Yeah, hi everybody. You know, I don't know if I want to continue the you know transgender issue, but uh, I mean, Nate. So, is it your position that any medical procedure that may lead to uh, complications is uh, should not be performed, or I'm just not sure? Like, can you generalize? Uh, why are you picking this specific case where, where there are possible complications and saying in this case, you know, uh, uh, people shouldn't be doing this because there might be complications? But uh, so with other medical procedures, you apply the same logic that uh, if there's a uh, any significant possibility of complications that procedures shouldn't be performed? Not at all. Did you hear the reason for why I said that? Or did you come in late? I don't know. I think, you know, to me, it sounds like you're just demonizing. You're not trying to understand these people, why they're going through this uh, very expensive <laughs> nope, and nope, traumatic stop. procedure to... Uh... Nope. All right, so we've heard enough. So either you didn't listen or you didn't understand. I don't care about surgeries. If someone wants to have surgery and have stuff chopped off or added, that's fine. The reason I brought it up was the guy was saying, why should people take effort to witness to these people and tell people of the LGBT community about Jesus? And I 
And his reason was because they're so obstinate, they're so hard of heart, they are never going to change, right? It's like this vicious opposition of Christianity. So why should we care about these people? Okay. My reason was because plenty of these people have had complications. So everything you were saying is wholly irrelevant. I was pointing out there are plenty of people who have had complications and they are not as hard-hearted or obstinate as that person may think. Many of them have regrets. That's the entire reason. So if you have an elective surgery, if there could be complications, not speaking of that at all. I'm just saying because there have been complications for these people, for some of them, they may not be as hard-hearted as you thought. So I think you were agreeing with me, even though you didn't realize it. <laughs> so how would we reach up, the, How would we reach uh, the what, people? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. How, how, so I guess that, that makes sense. How would you reach the people then who like didn't have complications or the, the like majority who like maybe didn't do it or, or are considering it, right? Like I, certainly we should make them aware of those complications, right? But I guess it's just difficult for me to know, like if someone was like legitimately suicidal and I, and again, I've talked to people like this where they, they've tried getting counseling, they've tried therapy, they've tried every other means and they, it isn't, and they feel like they, the only way that they're going to be not kill themselves is to transition, right? Like that's difficult, and I'm not saying that we should be advocating that they do transition, but in those situations, it's very because I I don't want them to commit commit that sin of of you know transitioning, but I also suicide would be an even worse sin, and so it's like, is it where I have to take if that if that were the case where it would actually reduce their sadness, is, is that like taking a lesser evil, like is it exchanging one sin for another that's less bad, or do you just say, well, if if they kill themselves, so be it, and that's not on me. Like, I, I guess it's just hard for me to know what the right thing. Well, I'm not even, I'm not even speaking about the transitioning and, you know, nowhere in the Bible is explicitly call out, you know, transitioning. Cause that wasn't a thing. I mean, you know, unit right. is as close as you can get to it. Right. So I mean, it doesn't completely, it's not one of the 613 sins um, described in the Bible. So the only way you could call it a sin is like Romans 14, like assuming these people actually believe in a God, which, you know, some of them will profess they do. So, if we're not talking, if they don't believe in a God or anything like that, well, you know, whatever. There's plenty of things keeping you from God, not not transitioning. But to the person that says they need to transition, the only way it would be a sin, according to Christianity, is if they really, you know, felt like God was, you know, saying, don't do this. And they're like, eh, and they did it anyways, because that's violating their own conscience led by God. So, you know, because anything not done from faith is sin. So if they're like, oh, you know, the Bible doesn't explicitly say I cannot do this. Um but I want to do this, but oh, I feel like convicted, like my conscience is screaming at me, don't do this. Ah, shut up, conscience. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Well, well, then it's sin, just like anything, uh, you know, not done from faith is sin. So um, I would say that. Oh, so you're oh, so you don't think that it's a sin if they don't feel convicted about it? Or maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. Like, do, do, does one have I'm, to I'm feel... saying I'm I, well, yeah, I'm saying I'm withholding judgment because like if, if someone says I'm not convicted about okay. murder, so I'm going to murder people. Well, obviously, that's contradictory to the Bible, because yeah. one of the things the Bible says is absolutely a sin is murdering is shedding innocent blood. So don't right. do that. Um, so if this person who I'm not it, like if you say, hey, you know, I'm born. Uh, everyone says I'm a man. I feel like a woman. I've been a woman my whole life. I want to kill myself unless I can transition. I'm like, look, man, here's what the Bible says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessary. Look at the risk, yada, yada. Lay out my best case for why I think it's probably advisable just to, you know, in the interest of less is more. Like the less you have to do, the better. I, I'm kind of a minimalist approach anyway. So the more you have to do, the more chance for complications just completely from a logical standpoint. Um, but ultimately, if they're like, <clears throat> look, I hear you out. Uh, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin because uh, the Bible doesn't address it at all. And 
I feel okay about this. You know, I've prayed, you know, I, I don't feel like anyone, God is telling me not to do this. I don't think it's a sin. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm like, okay, well, at the end of the day, you know, um, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's advisable, but if you do, I mean, it's your life to live. You're accountable to God for whatever you do. Uh, by the way, not just this, but everything. You're, we're all accountable for every idle word we've spoken. How much trouble are we all in? So, yeah. But but for someone to say, like, if you try to transition, that is a sin. You can't justify that biblically. You can't. Yeah. I think I would probably agree with that. Would you say that, like, homosexuality is more clear cut in terms of biblical con- Absolutely. Con- condemnation? Yeah. I, I, I figured that. So. Yeah, so that would be a different, um, and I guess that would be a tougher situation too, right? Where it's like, on the one hand, I do agree that it's a sin and they shouldn't do it. On the other hand, it is something that they're going to have to live with their whole life and probably resist, and you may have to ask them to be celibate, which is not easy to do. But I guess it's a, a virtue building, right? Where it's like, how much do you have to, people have to sacrifice different amounts for the gospel, and that's where it, they may be able to gain something from that than that most straight people wouldn't. I mean, it just depends on on what it is. Well, I mean, it usually comes down to, you know, because like the the christian we usually say you know god didn't make mistakes yada 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 um completely discounting like a myriad of other stuff right like we're in a fallen world like maybe the reason people are born with only one arm is not because you know that's the perfect way god intended them to be created it could be because of this fallen world it could be you know something that happened wrong because of the fall of man if if we were still in adam and eve in time and you know they never sinned they never disobeyed god no one had then everyone would be born in the exact same perfect way um, so the fact that someone is born handicapped or paralyzed doesn't necessarily mean God made them that way and God doesn't make mistakes. It could be chemicals in the water for all we know. And I think there's more and more evidence. So when someone's like, well, God didn't make mistakes, so you don't need to change your gender. Well, from their perspective, they're like, well, look, my body doesn't match my brain. So one way, something has to change. Like it would be easier for the onlooker to just try to change their brain because they'll never see that. They'll never see inside their head. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like the argument, right? So it, it's not like I even agree with all everything I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if we're going to talk to someone, we, we have to, like, understand their perspective. Otherwise, we just sound ridiculous. Like, we, we sound ignorant. And, like, we're talking about, like, Levitical Bible verses that don't right. apply to us anyways because we're not Israelites saying men can't wear women's clothes. And they're like, what I'm telling you is I, I am a woman. So that verse doesn't apply to me. So it's like, you know, we if we're going to talk to people, we at least have to know enough about where they're coming from to talk to them in a way that's not like talking past each other or, you know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, another, this is a little bit of a tangent question, but still kind of related to the topic of like church and, and sexuality. There was a New York times article probably about a decade or so now ago that I thought was really interesting about a pastor who had, you know, had been to seminary, had great qualifications who was complaining because he had applied to many churches and he was single, you know, was not married. And they had told him like, yeah, your resume is good and all that stuff. But, um, we would prefer a you know a married pastor, right? And on the one hand, like I understand that because like you, you if you have a congregation that is married, you want to have sermons that are applicable to them. But on the other hand, it's like when Paul says it's better for you, preferable for you to not be married, right? And if you have to get married, then fine. Like it's not a sin, but it's not ideal, right? For for people who are in the church or in ministry, right? So like where where does that balance come in? Because I think that an unmarried person could have potential advantages in terms of being able to spend more time and dedication to that, you know, taking less of a salary doing all that stuff. But I do understand the, the desire for, you know, having a congregation. Like, I guess, like, like, it seems to me that you could have a pastor who is single. And then when it comes to topics about marriage relevant to that, you could have like an associate pastor or something speak, speak, speak for that week who maybe is married, right? 
So maybe, I, I mean, maybe it depends on the church, but I don't know if there's like a hard set rule with that. Do you think it should just be up to each congregation or do you think there's a general principle that should be abided by there? Well, I mean, biblically speaking, like the requirement for a pastor, you know, if you want to be real literal is um, the husband of one wife. Yeah. So reading it as it's written, a pastor should not be single. A pastor couldn't be single. So, you know, when people talk about, oh, you just, you know, it's the patriarchy. You don't want women pastors, yada, yada, yada. There's plenty of dudes who can't be pastors. Like the Bible has very specific requirements. So, you know, if you're a married man, if you are the husband of one wife, but your kids are out of control, can't be a pastor. You're disqualified. So there's a whole lot of requirements for a pastor. So, uh, you know, if you you just read as it's written, um, have to have a family who's in order. Well, does that mean your family just can't be in disorder? Can you have not a family? Well, I mean, if you read as it's written, you need to have a family. So you need to have you need to be a man who is the husband of one wife, who has a family, who is in order, and you need to be respected in the community, and you know not open to all these like rumor mills and stuff like that because you live your life, uh, you know, conduct yourself with integrity. So yeah, there, I mean, there's real specific um, requirements for that. So if you want to be single and not marry, and you're able to do that. Uh, to dedicate your time for for the Lord, well, then you know there's other, plenty of other things you can do. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I just I because I noticed I have like friends in seminary and like the stare the the joke there kind of is that you you get married at like 21 or something, right? Like you, usually that's that's what it is. And it's like a, that's funny. Like if someone's at a seminary getting a theology degree and they plan to use that for ministry, should they like make sure that they aren't single prior to that they are married, or is it like they have to they, maybe they need to be a missionary or something instead? I mean, I guess it could just depend. But like, is that general advice that you'd recommend for that reason because i guess it's hard i mean you could use it for other things but it seems like it's hard to put that to use if you're in school studying for if you don't plan on being some kind of pastor and in some kind of ministry right well yeah and it's not like i mean you know like constantine says in chat apostle paul was probably single and said he wished other readers were also um and some people will say you know could paul have previously been married or something like that but anyways all we know as the time of his writing uh, he was single and he was a missionary so you could do that um but that doesn't all, and he, you know, he says it's good to be as I am because you have time for the Lord. But it doesn't mean like being married is bad. Like, you know, look at Jesus. He even Correct. says, you know, mother right. and father will leave and go off and the two will become one. And it's a symbol, you know, it's a symbol of Christ and the church. It's a re- representation of that. So marriage is not bad at all. Um, and there's plenty. So, you know, if everyone was like Paul, well, then, well, not everyone's going to be like Paul. But if there are lots of people, 90% of people like Paul, You've still got plenty of people to be pastors, and the other 90% of single people, um, there's a job for them. They can all be missionaries. Maybe the gospel would have been spread uh, to the earth even sooner. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I guess just looking at like how high divorce rates are, especially in the West, like mm-hmm. if way more people are getting married either at younger ages or just people who just shouldn't be getting married or should be waiting longer. Like, I wonder if that's a catalyst well, think- because there's perhaps social pressure, and then maybe they should be using that time to put more towards – christ and the gospel maybe there are people who are getting married too early or who shouldn't be but well i mean my humble subjective opinion is it starts with discipleship like you know from from a teenager young adult like you know they they say they believe in a god they don't really know anything about it if you ask them questions so i think you know discipleship just on their own and then like what you know they have this foundation like you know they know what they believe and they know why they believe it and they're, they're rooted in the bible so by the time they meet someone that they would date or marry they, they know what the Bible says about marriage and they approach dating, they approach, you know, all the stuff, marriage from a biblical view because they actually have read it and know what it says. Um, and then when you have both people like that, the husband and the wife that have brought been brought up, they've been discipled, they've actually read the Bible, especially about marriage. 
then they approach marriage that way. And uh, I think that's where, you know, if people follow the biblical instruction for marriage, you have a lot less divorce rate. And, you know, because whenever people say, oh, Christian divorce rate is just as high. Well, yeah, interview the Christians. I mean, if they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in God, Jesus. Uh, I guess he's fine. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't know if we can say they really follow the prescription of a biblical marriage, but the ones who do uh, live their lives as the Bible talks about marriage, um, those are the ones that you see are, are very strong and very lasting because they have a foundation. They know what they believe and why they believe it and what the Bible, what their faith, what they believe about marriage. So um, if they're just like, well, he uh, now we're just like friends, like there's no love, like we used to hang out and the feeling is gone. So I need a new person. Well, they're not going to do that. Like they realize it's more substantial than just like a fleeting feeling. Um, and love is more than just like, you know, some feeling or like romantic dinner and dancing. Um, it's, it's a whole lifestyle. Uh, no, Constantine, we don't, it doesn't, doesn't outright say that any apostles were married. Um, some people, I think Paul could have been. And Either I think was. some people, yeah, some people uh, talk about Peter. Does it, it doesn't explicitly say that in the Bible, right? Is that like from tradition or something? Uh, no, people Peter, well, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, which implies that he has a wife. Right? Okay, okay. Well, there you go. And I think in, uh, I want to say it's First Corinthians where Paul mentions the brothers of the Lord having wives. So I could say James and some of them did. And uh, let's see, <laughs> Rich. Uh, I didn't miss the point. Uh, Nate completely missed the point on the earlier question. Do you agree with all forms of plastic surgery? Do I disagree with all forms of plastic surgery, Nate? No, I never said that. I don't disagree with surgeries that can cause complications. So I'm not demonizing anyone. I, I guess you missed the point. Um, th this is about where um, Constantine was asking about um, why am I demonizing the trans people because there's complications when other surgeries right. have complications. Well, that was a completely well, that was a completely irrelevant point. We weren't talking about that at all. I was talking about because there are complications, these people may be more open uh, to hearing about your God, and they may not be as hard-hearted as you, as you seem to think they are. So, no, I mean, you know, surgeries, yeah, do have complications, and I don't disagree with these surgeries. So, there you go. Yes, there's potential complications. There do, is a... do you... Well, to finish Sorry, with this, your point. Are, are, we saying, are we saying different things? Like, do you still think we're talking past each other? Like, there are potential complications for all surgeries. Do you think I'm saying they're not? Because there are. So we're agreeing. I, I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> yeah, Caleb. Yeah, like I, putting aside the, like, let's assume there's a surgery with no complications as a plastic surgery, like not, not a transition, but just like someone who wants a nose job or something or like, you know, breast implants or something. Like, do you think that would be, I don't, I don't think it's explicitly obvious in the Bible. Do you think there's a question there in terms of like maybe vanity or tr like your appearance if you're not, so I guess like to what ex extent, because it does say don't, don't ordain yourself with, you know, jewelry and elaborateness. Like how much is it okay to make yourself look nice versus like going out of your way to have extreme procedures to make yourself more beautiful, like externally? Like, is that kind of a pride vanity situation or it could be like, in that case, it might be a sin right but yeah but I, I mean I'm, I'm probably not i mean i mean like depending on the level like you see some like co uh, cosmological surveys yeah cosmetology what's eh. anyways cosmetic oh my gosh words are hard today uh you see some cosmetic surgeries that are just like so insane it's like an actual sickness right like people need therapy for this have like you know 50 plus surgeries and they look like a circus clown it's disgusting um, yeah so I, I may be like oh my gosh 
but I'm not going to probably speak to the spirituality of that because who knows, right? Like only God knows the heart. So you can say it's because they're, they're vain or whatever, when it could be because they have, I don't know, low self-esteem. Maybe they just don't like something. Maybe they want to change something and it's not a place of vanity or pride. Maybe, um, you know, they want to have like, you know, like breast reduction surgery, right? Like no one's going to say that's for, for really pride or vanity. And they're going to say, I don't know, any other reasons like, health hurts, reasons. like yeah. maybe, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm not, it could be a sin, but that's totally Romans 14. Like work it out with fear and trembling before God. It's between you and God. Um, if you honestly have faith in what you're doing and don't believe it's sin, then go for it. Like I'm, I'm going to be probably the last person to cast judgment on, on something like that. Cause I, I'm not going to pretend to know the reasons. Hey, hello guys. Hey, what's up? Well, I have a question. I mean, um, as long as you have the answers. Well, we'll see. It's okay to What's the question? pose the question. Well, um, do you have questions related to the topic or the subject, whether it, whether, uh, whether it was faith or Christianity or God, that you don't have the answers to or you're looking for the answers with? I don't really get where you're going with that, but as far as my spirituality is concerned, no, I believe I found the answer a long time ago. Cool. Okay. Then my question is, where did God come from? The Bible says he's the Alpha and Omega in the beginning and the end. So however that works out, I guess it's just an infinite regress. And you can go infinitely backwards. And no matter how far back you go, there's always going to be God. Okay, so in other words, we don't know. Uh, no, what I said. Okay. It's like, it's like a mind. Usually yeah, it's like, has a back. What? Yeah. Everything written about any character from the ancient ages or anything mentioned about any prophet before the prophet, they always have uh, a story where they come from, what happens, except for when it gets to God, there is no, there is no story behind it, just God. So as long as there is no, uh, information, then the answer is we don't know, right? Most theologians, doctor, would say that God has aseity, which means that he like exists self independently, that he has to exist metaphysically, right? And I don't, I don't want to be dropping all those terms here, but. <laughs> Like that, God, God is the one is a being that can't not exist in the universe. Essentially, He's the explanation. He's the first cause, because as Nate said, you get an infinite regress, and that has problems on its own. And so, God's the stopping point of explanation. Okay, I'll um, fine. Um, okay, then um, you mentioned something, Nate, earlier that you said uh, love is a lifestyle. Um, it would make sense when it gets to people, you know, love from people towards people. When it gets to God, it's not the same, you know. Um, if it's lifestyle as it's supposed to be, then God is, uh, uh, failing to show his life, uh, sorry, to show his love towards his own creations. Um, if, uh, yeah, go ahead. I said, how so? How so? 
well, got failing to I don't know everything around us, you know, um, whether it was diseases, wars, uh, um, you know, nature on its own. Um, well, there are a lot of examples, whether now or the past. Sorry, I'm receiving a phone call. Are you taking that phone call or are you silencing that phone call? Well, he doesn't have the little red phone up on his thing, so. Well, I'd like to respond if he's listening. Well, in the meantime, Caleb or John, you have anything else to say about this while we wait? And I'm going to have to run soon. Uh, no, I think I already answered my part of that in terms of the necessity, which I think you probably would agree with, right? Terms of I, I do. First cause, and, yeah. and I, I guess I'll just give my response, and if he's not back by then, I'll have to, I'll have to go. I have family in town, so I have to take them to lunch. Oh, nice. uh, show my love for the family. <laughs> um, well, let's see what I'd say. So he fails to show his love for his creation uh, because of all the reasons he he mentioned. And I'd say, well, what is love, and who are you supposed to be showing love to? So first of all, under the Christian paradigm, whether or not you believe it, like why would you not blame the fall of man, the devil? all this evil in the world, why would you not appropriate that appropriately? And then the the only answer is, well, because God ultimately is above this and is in control all of it, to which I would say, um, yes. And the one possible reason for allowing all this evil and bad stuff to continue is because there are still evil people, unrepentant people out there who every day, some of them are deciding to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Christ which is loving. So while he's saying God may not be showing love for some people because he's allowing like death, disease, famine, war, torture, all this other bad stuff, he is still showing love to people. Even though he's allowing bad stuff to happen, he's still allowing time for all these other people to recognize their bad ways, repent, and accept eternal life in Christ. Because in 100 years, everyone you know is going to be dead and they're going to be somewhere. So is it greater love to, you know, let someone deal with a little disease or sickness or pain um, at the expense of an unknown amount of people constantly repenting and turning to God and receiving eternal life? Um, so you can have the people in pain turning to God and receiving eternal life like Job, um, who had plenty of pain visited upon him. But as in result was he was righteous and he was blessed and he was on the right side of God, um, while also evil people who do not know God. Are constantly finding God and repenting. So I'd say if no other reason than that, God is showing love and Jesus sacrificed, right? Like that's like the great expression of all. So Jesus, a God in flesh, laying down his life. So anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's pretty darn good expression of love. And then the converse of that is the people who forever will not repent. They are children of the devil. So if you love your kids, how much wrath and vengeance do you think is going to be poured out on people who God does not love? So if there are people who are like, no, my father's the devil. I hate your God. I don't care about your God. And all they do is visit evil upon the ones who God does love, God's children. Um, those people should not expect to receive love. Those people should expect to receive a whole lot of vengeance uh, from God. Um, so, you know, God does not love everyone, especially, you know, people who align with the devil and persecute the ones who God does love. So it's a binary position. Um, there's no fluidity. Um, there's children of God, people who call in the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, receive eternal life and repent 
and follow God, those are children of God. Those are the ones he loves. The ones he does not love are the people who do not follow God, who uh, don't acknowledge or don't like or hate or fight against God and his children. Those people don't have anything good in store. So um, I wish that guy would have stuck around for the answer. But um, yeah, I'd say God totally shows love for his creation. Final thought, Caleb? Yeah, I think that Christianity is unique in that God, you know, becomes incarnate as well and that, that he expresses love. Because I think it is it is a fair question to ask, how can an omnipotent God show, like, sacrificial love, right? Because, like, you know, he's omnipotent. But I do think having God come down and suffer along with humanity and, and being a moral exemplar and resisting temptation is really a way for him to, at least to art, like, so that we can see, uh, express um, his relation to our suffering in that way and to help us through it um holding our hand basically as we as he guides us through the soteriological process so i think that christianity actually does solve that problem more so than like islam or other religions would because we have a god who who is incarnate who explicitly expressed his love um in the incarnation the atonement well thanks for being up here today caleb it's good to see you yep you too nate thanks all right, everyone. Uh, yeah, follow the house or club or whatever this is so you can uh, get notified and join us more. Bring your questions. Email them. Ask a Christian club at gmail.com. Email your questions, whatever. We'll see you guys later. Take care.